What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue, the Bronx Podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Also, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Share out as well. That's very important. We're nearing 900 subscribers, about 13 away at the point of this recording. So, would appreciate if you guys share it out. Uh, hope to get there by mid next week, maybe even next weekend. Even before then would be really nice. That way we could start a countdown to a thousand monetization and all these different things that come with one thousand subscribers. But I appreciate your got uh, you guys your constant support and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't expect this podcast episode to be too long. Just three simple end of the year type segments for our New York Giants, and this is going to be the last episode. Uh, for right now, unless we make a firing or a hiring or something along the lines of a big free agent signing or a trade, uh, most likely that's going to be covered in a video. So this might be or likely is going to be the last podcast episode until uh, we get to training camp and all that sort of stuff. But of course, I, I'm still making videos on the Giants, so... It's really just going from podcast to more of a video type. That way, you know, I could put more videos out, shorter videos. That way it doesn't take up too much time. And, you know, it's just more watchable with nothing to talk about uh, too much in the off season. So the three subject matters I have for today are three, which include team awards, impending free agents, cut or keep. Uh, and then positional grades. So which grade does the quarterback get? Which grade does the running back room get? And all that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about it. Just give me one second and we'll get right into it. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, comeback player of the year. And two considered for this one. Probably even maybe three. Um. Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, and Nick Gates. Now, Daniel Jones, because he ended the season last year on a neck injury. He was out for the rest of the year. Obviously, we made some adjustments in the front office and with the coaches, new regime, all these sort of things. And Daniel Jones, obviously, was a different player this year. And, you know, he was one of the leaders on the offense. Was he perfect? No, but he was probably... The closest to uh, 2019 Daniel Jones as we will get. Now, I don't know if he will resign. Uh, I want him to come back, hint, hint, for the impending free agents. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of things surrounding that conversation until a contract is done. But, uh, you know, he's a contender for that position. Saquon Barkley, coming off of a year where he just wasn't good. He had like 500 some odd rushing yards. Uh, Devontae Booker was a slightly better back than he was when Saquon was injured because he just didn't look right. I mean, he was bouncing, he was dancing in 2021, missed some games due to an ankle injury, and it just didn't look good. And then, you know, he started off really much on fire, um, to start the year against the Titans when he had those runs and he, uh, he was basically the offense that game, if you will, I'm trying to adjust myself here. Uh, he was basically the offense that game. Uh, Saquon Barkley just running for those yards and, uh, 
You know, I think he led the league in rushing after week one. So there is that. Um, and they basically kind of relied on him for the first half of the season until, you know, they wore Saquon down and then put it in Daniel Jones' hands a little bit more. So there's that. And then Nick Gates, I mean, the guy almost had his leg amputated. He had seven-plus surgeries. Comes back against the Seahawks. Plays a couple of snaps as a jumbo tight end. Then he gets a starting role two weeks later. Actually, he went on the field as a center against the Lions because Feliciano was injured. Started at center against the Cowboys. Left guard against the Washington football team. And pretty much rotated uh, with Ben Bredesen uh, until the rest of the season. So there is that. So those are three candidates I'm going to decide on. My final one, no disrespect to the other two, and this is just going to be you know throughout the awards, is uh, Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley is going to uh, get my nominee for Comeback Player of the Year, my vote, um, even NFL-wide. I know Geno Smith is uh, in consideration for that. I know Christian McCaffrey is in consideration for that. But for Giants-wise, it's going to be Saquon Barkley. He was the offense for the first half of the season. Yes, he did have a little bit of a downturn in the midseason, but uh, you know, against the Vikings, against a couple other teams late in the season, he really got it back on. So Saquon Barkley gets my vote for comeback player of the year. Next one is most valuable player. There's a couple of players maybe you could list. Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley. Uh, no one really in the receiving game. Um... I'm going to go ahead and say Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, you know, last year he didn't get a ton of respect, was basically the Giants' best offensive player, most consistent offensive player as well, bearing down that left tackle position, uh, shutting up all the doubters, all the pundits, all the media people, and then the rest of the offensive line from left guard to right tackle was an absolute train wreck. So that was last year, and then this year, because we're still technically in 2022 season, because the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet, but um, as far as that goes, Andrew Thomas locked down his left side. Now, he had one or two bad games uh, against Micah Parsons and against Josh Sweat in that first Eagle game, but he arguably should have been a pro bowler. You know, I, I do, but I don't mind that. At the same time, he got all pro, so Andrew Thomas... Give him the awards, all that. He is the most valuable player. So let's move on. The most improved player. Now, there are two with this one that I'm deciding on. Is it Dexter Lawrence or is it Daniel Jones? Both came from the 2019 draft class, the first round actually. So uh, that's at least my two choices. Maybe you guys can uh, look at somebody else for most improved player. It's between Dexter Lawrence and Daniel Jones. And I would say with both of them, there's like tidbits you could nitpick. Because for Daniel Jones, I mean, yeah, he threw 15 touchdowns. He only had five picks. But it's not like he had 20, 25, 30 touchdowns. As far as Dexter Lawrence goes, ended the year with six, seven sacks, something along those lines. But um, he had four and a half sacks. I think his... First rookie year, his first rookie year, Jesus Christ, 
his rookie year or his second year, one of those years, I want to say was first or second year in the NFL, he had like four and a half sacks. So, you know, it's not far off from the number, but he was more of a presence. Uh, as far as Daniel Jones, I mean, you know, he had more production. He was better decision-making wise. So it's tough. I'm actually going to go Dexter Lawrence very slightly here. And I know I have a lot of Giant fans who, who love Daniel Jones in the comments. And listen, I nominated him, but I'm going to vote for Dexter Lawrence because in 2019, as good of a rookie season as he had, he wasn't a force like he is now, like he was in 2022. You know, he was, you had to game plan for him early in the season. Like, you know, uh, there were several games where he was just, there was a streak where it was, I think, started in week four against the Bears, week five, week six where he had a quarterback sack it was a three-game streak and he was just a force I mean he was bullying offensive linemen left and right um, obviously we really didn't get that same treatment against uh, Dallas didn't get that same treatment against the Eagles but against Washington he was a force multiple times uh, in both games that be so Dexter Lawrence you earn my vote for most improved player Most underwhelming player. Let's go into that one. Most underwhelming. There's three candidates for me. Number one is Evan Neal. He's a rookie. I get it. Number seven overall pick, though, and he really didn't get better down the stretch, whether it's coaching, whether it's this, whether it's that, whatever it is. Just maybe had two good games this year, and he never found his footing. Going to say that. Never found his footing. Obviously, the future is bright, and he could be, you know, a solid tackle on the right side for the Giants in the future. But we have to look at 2022, honestly. Kenny Galladay, that's another player. We started looking in the preseason, you know, with a microscope and saying, this guy's not going to get involved. And he really wasn't that involved in the preseason. He really wasn't that involved with the offense and people started calling it out and you know there was saying oh there's people saying oh it's an overreaction no it was an overreaction they showed their hand in the preseason that he was not going to be a valuable part of the offense and they're the one a lot of people aren't considering but there was expectations for this guy at least to be you know a solid part of the line and he had his moments in run blocking pass blocking was not his forte and I think he's just undersized Mark Lewinsky, I was expecting better from him. He came out to be just an average guard. Now, you know, I guess maybe that's his mold outside of Indianapolis because he really couldn't maintain a starter spot in Seattle. But I just felt that he was underwhelming. So, between those three, I'm going to go ahead and say, is it Evan Neal, Lewinsky, or Galladay? I'm going to go with Evan Neal. Because usually with rookies, you, you should get better down the stretch. Um, you should so, show progressions. But Evan Neal takes the cake, unfortunately, for most underwhelming player. The next one, rookie of the year. Kayvon Thibodeau is one consideration. I think Daniel Bellinger is also a consideration. And... To be fair, this award is very lopsided because most of the Giants' rookie class is on IR. I'm going to go Kayvon Thibodeau here. Um, to be fair, I think there could have been more production with Kayvon. Daniel Bellinger really wasn't much of an offensive piece in the second half of the season as he was in the first and 
Obviously, that had to do with injury, but I guess they wanted to stay away from him uh, towards the latter half of the year. But Kayvon got better. Uh, he had his first sack against the Ravens. Um, and then, you know, a few weeks later, he got better, you know, against Washington. He had a sack. Um, against Washington, again, he had a sack. So, you know, there's room for improvement. Um, maybe he needs to take, like, karate classes or something just to, you know, get better with the hand fighting. And I think he has to remember that he's not going to get respect in his rookie year. I get it. Listen, officials are horrible. You know, it's kind of an unfair way in the NFL where you have to earn that. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you have to play the card that is dealt to you. You have to deal with it. So I'm going to say rookie of the year goes to Kayvon Thibodeau. Diamond in the rough. Now, there's a couple of candidates could be uh, for this award. Uh... Landon Collins, you could say, is a diamond in the rough. Um, ben Bredesen is one. Isaiah Hodgins is another. Uh, Bellinger could be. Bellinger could be. Jihad Ward also as well. But I'm going to go ahead and say Isaiah Hodgins because this guy was a waiver claim. And we didn't expect him to be really involved until the latter half of the season, but he just showed his mark. Against the Texans, you know, against the Lions, he had a tough game. And, you know, he was showing his stuff. And then he got a touchdown against Washington. And he was really Daniel Jones' best receiver down the stretch. Not many inconsistencies with him. I mean, yeah, he had the fumble. Very rarely does he ever drop a pass. I like Isaiah Hodgins. I respect him. I like him as a future piece going forward. Is he a number one, number two? No. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's a he's a future depth piece that we have just in case some guys go down. You're not going to expect anything from Wandale till about mid to late season next year. So Isaiah Hodgins, diamond in the rough. Most underrated player. There's a couple ways you could go with this one. And a couple of my tidbits are the following. Ben Bredesen. Nick McLeod, Cordell Flott. Um, I can't really say that Isaiah Hodgins is underrated. Maybe from an outsider standpoint, but from an insider standpoint, we all praise him. So, Bredesen is one. Nick McLeod's another. Cordell Flott. Jason Pinnock to an extent. This one's tough because Bredesen, he came in here with no expectations. He was the starting left guard because of Shane Lemieux going on IR. And he played solid. I mean, he got better down the stretch. Nick McLeod, um, no expectations. I get it. You know, he sucked at corner two a little bit. But he got better down the stretch as to where the Giants could consider him a legitimate option, potentially at slot corner. If they want Flod as an outside guy, if you don't want Darnay Holmes in the building... Nick McLeod is your guy. So, I'm going to go ahead and take Ben Bredesen. But that does not mean you can't draft a guard. I'm going to take Ben Bredesen, but slightly. And with this, I know maybe there's some underrated players I'm, I'm you know, forgetting. But I want to pick the guys out that really aren't getting the attention. Most overrated player. There's a couple you could go on this list. I'm going to go ahead and say Julian Love. I love 
Julian Love is a player and is a locker room guy, but people were shouting Pro Bowl. He wasn't really a Pro Bowler. I mean, yeah, he had two picks. He had the best season of his career, but those are really not Pro Bowl numbers. I mean, let's take a look at it. I'm going to take a look at it stat-wise. So this year he had a total of 124 tackles, which is career high. He had a sack. He had a fumble recovery, a forced fumble, Five pass deflections, two interceptions in 16 games. Was he out for one of them? Maybe he wasn't. I didn't even know about it. But it says 16. Maybe it is 17. But uh, 34 completions allowed on 50 targets. That's decent in coverage for a safety. But, um, you know, people were saying all-star numbers, probable, all-pro. No, that's not what Love was doing this year. And uh, I know there's obviously a conversation to be had whether he should come back whether he should not come back you don't want to open a hole on the Giants defense because we need linebackers we need backup DTs we need corners you really don't want to open that hole at safety again I mean we were discussing that last offseason they drafted Dane Belton and it's a little bit better but uh we'll see what happens in that situation most overrated player Julian Love let's go with best Coordinator, Don Martindale, Thomas McGahey, or Mike Kafka. McGahey is automatically eliminated because the special teams unit is absolute garbage. So you're down to Martindale and down to Kafka. Both dealt with under-talented units. Both dealt with under-talented units. I'm going to go Wink Martindale because I think the defense overplayed themselves in terms of talent a lot of the times. And... The offense, you could use the talent for an excuse, but there were times where Kafka was an inconsistent play caller and he didn't know what to do in certain situations. Um, You know, you could argue, I guess, that, yeah, let's just go with that. The Giants over-exceeded expectations. I mean, as a team, they did, but at the same time, they did more of it on defense because of the coaching, because of Wink Martindale, because of Jerome Henderson, uh, who... Honestly, should be getting looks for a DC job. Not that I want him to leave now. Not that I want him to leave ever. But Martindale, you know, he came in here, you know, off of a year where he had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And statistically, they weren't great. But, you know, a rotating coverage unit of McLeod and Fabian Moreau for a few weeks, dealing with Jalen Smith. Martindale, I believe, is the best coordinator. And I'm going to leave it at that. Biggest strength is a tough one, honestly. Because the Giants really don't have a legitimate strength. In my opinion, at least. Safety? You could say safety. Um, Interior O-line? No. Defensive line? You could say. You could say defensive line because of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Jihad Ward also you could factor in as well. The problem with that is there's no depth behind it. Um, wide receiver is absolutely not a strength. Linebacker is absolutely not a strength. I don't even consider edge that much of a strength. Tight end, not really a strength. I'm going to go running back here. To a lot of people's surprise, I'm going to go running back. Uh, Saquon Barkley, obviously, we know the player he is. But Matt Breida did a really good job filling in for him this year. Uh, I wouldn't mind bringing him back, but I think the Giants should also 
take into consideration that, hey, listen, for cheap, you could draft a running back in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round and get quality production. And then Gary Brightwell, uh, he got more snaps this year, and he showed a spark. The Giants really didn't flavor him in the offense a ton, but I think that was on purpose because they didn't want to give off their hand. They didn't want to show teams what they got. So I think the biggest strength is running back. With that being said, let's move on to the biggest weakness. There's three of them. Linebacker, O-line, wide receiver. I'm going to go ahead and say linebacker. Um, because that is a position where the Giants have absolutely zero future. And it's undetermined future, if you think about it. Because, you know, wide receiver, you have Isaiah Hodgins, you have Wandale Robinson. You could maybe bring back Richie James, but I don't know that they do that. You bring back Darius Slayton, they may or may not do that. O-line, you got Bredesen is a key depth piece. Same thing with Nick Gates. Evan Neal is developing. Left tackle, Andrew Thomas. So there's some pieces there. Linebacker, I mean, Micah McFadden, who didn't play in the playoffs. So there's that. Uh, Gerard Davis was awful. There's that. Darian Beavers, who was supposed to come in and at least be a solid piece, sixth-round pick. He tore his ACL in the Bengals game. And Jalen Smith was absolutely awful. And it's just a rotating whole circus over the last few years. And especially this year as well. I mean, you started out with uh, Blake Martinez in camp. Uh, He was like falling down the depth chart. You release him. You got Tay Crowder, Calitro. Both guys are not on the roster anymore. Then you move to Jalen Smith. Then Tay Crowder's gone. So McFadden's in there a little bit. And then you get Gerard Davis. I mean, it was just a circus. And the point of the matter is you had to bring in former safeties to be linebackers, Tony Jefferson and Landon Collins. So that just shows you how bad the linebacker position was in 2022 for the Giants and what they need to assess going into free agency in the draft. So that is the biggest weakness. Impending free agents. Let's go into that. And this is just a simple cut or keep. Um, I already did an extension extensive video on Saquon Barkley with his ceiling as an asking price uh but once again maybe we'll get into some of these guys more in videos uh, I'm just gonna say yes or no for a keep or cut with these impending free agents including the restrictive uh, restricted free agents and exclusive rights free agents so Saquon Barkley I say yes you bring him back I don't know if you bring him back too much long term but uh, Barkley, he was the Giants' offense for the first half of the season and really was a mainstay. He was probably the most consistent player on the offense outside of Andrew Thomas. So there's that. Saquon Barkley, two thumbs up. Matt Breida, I would say yes, but don't get too attached to a one-year wonder. Maybe sometimes, maybe even people will just say lean towards no because you could draft a running back, probably get the same amount of production. But Matt Breida... Uh, I think he's a locker room guy. I think you bring him back with another one-year contract. And if he asks for more, I say, you know, draft a running back, right? But he had solid production with the Giants. He had solid production with the Giants in 2022. Next one, Landon Collins. As much as I loved his play and wanted him to get more snaps throughout the 2022 season, I'm going to say no. This is a one-year wonder thing. We appreciate your efforts, Landon. You're one of my favorites, but... uh. There's no way in hell it's going to be that consistent. And to be fair, this roster is going to look different. And there's really no reason to keep Landon Collins except for emotions. Gerard Davis, 
absolutely not. You can go fuck yourself, dude. Um, he was horrible in linebacker. And people want to say, oh, you know, it's going to take a couple of weeks to get him maneuvered in. He really wasn't good. I mean, there's a reason that he was a bust uh, out of Florida for the Lions, and he went to the Jets, and he's been all over the place. So, uh, honestly, I thought they should have just stuck with McFadden. Now, McFadden and Davis are two types of linebackers because Micah McFadden can cover. Gerard Davis cannot. Gerard Davis, you think of him coming out of college and just a prototypical linebacker. He's probably better at playing the run. Well, guess what? Uh, didn't really help a lot now, did it? So, Gerard Davis, no. Justin Ellis, no. Uh, another Danny Shelton was going to be a scheme fit for the Giants, but, I mean, he had one sack. He had career highs in a couple of different areas. No, wasn't good. He was flatlined a lot by just, you know, good offensive linemen, bad offensive linemen. Was it Danny Shelton? He was supposed to eat double teams, but at the same time, you know, how can you double team a guy where you have one guy on him and then he just blows him over? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, Justin Ellis, goodbye. Next one gets a goodbye. John Feliciano. Um, you know, maybe people did overreact the way he played. Maybe I overreacted, but he's not a guy you bring back. Um, I feel like if the Giants were moving for a future type of thing, and I think at times they were thinking playoffs, but... Feliciano, I don't get why they were playing favorites. I think they should have stuck Bredesen left guard, Gates at center. Um, Feliciano just wasn't a consistent offensive lineman throughout the year. He got better, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, against the Eagles, against some of these other tougher teams with tougher D-lines, he was never able to stick it. So there's that. Nick Gates, I would bring him back as a depth piece. Uh, is he a potential starter? He could be. But at the same time, um, you know, if you look at a different side of the argument to bring him back, you don't want to waste resources. Like, I'm not saying it's wasting resources, but if you have something in-house that's quality, why throw it out the window? And Gates is not going to cost much. I mean, he's got an emotional attachment to the team. I'm pretty sure Brian Dable and Joe Shane like him. Uh, but, you know, if he could start at left guard, if he could be a quality depth piece, you don't need to draft a guy in the sixth round just to take that spot. And we don't know when Marcus McKeithen or Josh Azudu are coming back. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. So there is that. Jamie Gillen can go fuck himself. Goodbye. Uh, was not good. Very inconsistent for the Giants. I really didn't like them bringing him in in the first place because he had worse numbers than Riley Dixon and he showed it. Um, maybe some of it was the special teams unit, but Jamie Gillen was not a good punter. Not at all. Next one, sticking with special teams, kind of, we're going to go to Richie James. I would not bring him back. Now, if you're talking, you know, you don't have guys who can return punts or you don't have guys that can be quality receivers or decent receivers, maybe consider Richie James, but it's a one year thing. I doubt he plays like this next year. Uh, not that he doesn't have any gas in the tank. It's just, you know, a one-year wonder type of thing. So, no to Richie James. Tony Jefferson, I say no. Uh, he played solid for the Giants in his tenure, but wasn't anything special. Wasn't anything special. Solid special teamer. Um, solid linebacker. Goodbye. Casey Kreider. Uh, bring him back. I mean, why not? Unless he's terrible at special teams and special teams gurus look at the tape and say, this guy's fucking all. Oh, excuse me. Jesus. Casey Kreider. Unless guys look at the tape and say, this guy's got awful and I'm not a special teams guru. 
I would say bring him back. That's my thoughts on that. Julian Love, I'd bring him back, but that comes with a ceiling. That comes with a price tag. If he's requesting over the market for safeties or is not willing to take a, t- uh, a team discount, goodbye. Um, Julian Love had an excellent year. He's replaceable, though. So it's not like, oh, my God, this guy's like a Dexter Lawrence. No, absolutely not. Next guy up is Fabian Moreau, the Giants. Picked him up, put him on the practice squad, and he started playing a little bit in week two and pretty much was a starting corner for the rest of the season. Um, I think he was out against the Cowboys, maybe missed one game with the team. But uh, as far as Fabian Moreau goes, he was a solid piece. I wouldn't bring him back, though. I think the Giants are cultivating a solid DB unit in terms of depth pieces, in terms of depth guys. I still think they should maybe draft a corner at some point, but Fabian Moreau, he played decent. I wouldn't bring him back. Sterling Shepard. As a locker room guy, you could probably afford to bring him back at the veteran minimum. Other than that, as a coach, sure. Other than that, I'm sorry, he could go to another team. He is way too injury prone. I love Shep. He's a cheerleader. But at the same time, people will question, do we really need cheerleaders? That's the thing. So there's that. Darius Slayton. I know I made a video earlier on in the season about bringing Slayton back. I wouldn't. Um, I think he's a little bit too inconsistent. I understand him and Daniel Jones have the chemistry. But at the end of the day, you can find receivers like him. And it's good value. But I, I just don't think he has a future here. Jalen Smith, he can go fuck himself, uh, was horrible at linebacker, got worse and worse, could not play the run for shit, passed his prime, good night, Irene. Jihad Ward, I would bring him back on a veteran minimum contract, one year or one million or whatever. Um, he's a solid locker room guy, solid defensive lineman, not giving you too many, you know, I would say skill sets. Uh, he's not talented as a pass rusher, but as a run stopper, he does solid. Um, so any more than $1 million, he can go. Nick Williams, he's coming off of a torn bicep. He was a solid depth piece at D tackle, but I'm not bringing him back. He's, I think, getting into his 30s if he's not already there. O'Shane Zimenez, many would have considered it early on, but I would say no. Um, we had some thoughts coming in. This guy's not going to be good for us. And he flashed a little bit. But, uh, no, I'm sorry. O'Shane Zimenez, he is inconsistent. And he's not good value for a third rounder. He's not. And the Giants have Taman Fox, who can rush the passer a little bit. He's more of a run stopper. They have a couple other guys in the building that can do that. And they're probably going to go draft an edge at some point during the draft, whether it be depth or rotational, whatever it is. So we go into the restricted free agents. Henry Mondo, no. Um, he started getting less snaps the last part of the season. They picked him up. He played a couple of games when Leo Williams was out. I'm going to say no. Uh, solid depth piece, but nothing more than that. The Giants need to start inheriting, uh, not really inheriting, but drafting depth pieces, quality depth pieces, developing depth pieces, 
And I think it needs to start with the defensive line. I mean, you could go with 100 other positions, but defensive line is one position where they need to start doing that. Uh, Ryder Anderson's a good start, though. Not that he's, like, a world beater. Exclusive rights free agents. Jack Anderson, I would not bring back. Uh, he started in the Dallas game, wasn't very good. He played a little in one of the games down the stretch. I feel, I think it was against the Colts. I want to say it was against the Colts or... You know, against the Lions, he was playing, like, right guard. Anyway, no, uh, draft depth. We have depth on the roster, too. Lawrence Cager, I'd bring him back on a flyer. Uh, he was a solid piece, not a blocking tight end, but he's a mismatch against linebackers and safeties. Uh, not Evan Ingram, but he's a solid uh, depth piece at tight end. Why Davis, no, because he came in. Really didn't play much. Um, so, no, we don't know anything about him. I really don't want to learn anything about him. And then Isaiah Hodgins, absolutely. I mean, he was the best receiver in the second half of the New York Giants. So there is that. I'm going to go to our final subject next, which is going to be the position grades. All right. Sorry, that's uh, the ice in the background. But quarterback and this is just the general quarterback room um that's how i'm going to grade it running backs as well wide receivers tight ends you know we might diversify between corners and safeties and linebackers and edge also as well quarterback i'm gonna go with b minus uh daniel jones did not have an excellent season he had his best season since his rookie year cutting down the turnovers throwing more touchdowns and being a valuable piece in the second half, but there was struggles with him getting over the hump against some of these better teams. Now you could argue that's a talent thing, but at the same time, that's that argument really goes both ways because you could say, oh, a talent level in terms of you know his skill sets, the talent level which surrounds him on this roster. So I'm gonna go ahead and say B minus. Tyron Taylor played okay when he was in the game. I mean, threw a touchdown against the Eagles. Uh, wasn't very good against the Bears. Didn't throw any passes against the Colts, but B minus for the quarterback position. Running back position, I'm gonna give I think I'm gonna give an A minus. Um Barkley obviously was one of the best players on offense. Probably the best player, most consistent outside of Andrew Thomas as mentioned. But uh you have Matt Breida who backed him up really well, and Gary Brightwell also backed him up really well. Uh, you know, Matt Breida could catch passes he could also run Brightwell most of a mo well he's mostly just a north south runner but uh, I'll give it an a minus wide receiver room wide receiver room I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a D I'm gonna go with a D with wide receivers um Darius Slayton was inconsistent Richie James was inconsistent. Isaiah Hodgins was the best of that pack. Kenny Gauda, you got no con contribution from. Kadarius Tony was traded. David Sills wasn't much of anything. Uh, Marcus Johnson wasn't much of anything. Wondell Robinson got injured. Sterling Shepard got injured. Colin Johnson got injured. D. And there was a lot of drops. I think the Giants were actually top 10 in drops, which is not a good category to be in. And Mike Groh, who's the wide receiver coach, in past years with the Colts, like that team was bottom of the league in drops, which is a good thing. But this is a, clearly a talent issue for the Giants. 
Tight end position, you had Bellinger, you had Nick Vanette. You kind of had a rotating door at two and three, but with one, you had a solid tight end in Daniel Bellinger. I'm going to go with a C plus. Uh, Bellinger, you know, obviously he was a solid tight end. He was another diamond in the rough, you could say. But outside of that, uh, I know we're not expecting too much production outside of Bellinger. Cager, I mean, he was solid, but wasn't a blocking guy. Vanette was mostly a blocker. I think he did well. Myrick was in and out of the lineup, uh, practice squad a little bit. And then they had Tanner Hudson, who was a solid receiver. But um, I'm going to say C+, because it's not a lot of talent, not a ton of production. Offensive tackle, you have to factor in Andrew Thomas. You have to factor in Evan Neal. You have to factor in a guy like Tyree Phillips. I don't think there's any more you have to factor in. Maybe Matt Parrott a little bit because he did play against the Eagles. He did play against the Eagles a second time. He also played against the Colts. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say a solid B. And that carries a lot from Andrew Thomas's A-plus play. Now, Evan Neal, as a personal grade, I'd probably give him a C, maybe even a D for his rookie year. Tyree Phillips was actually, in my opinion, solid as a guy who filled in for him. And Matt Parrott, I think, was a little bit worse. But I'll give it a B. I'll give it a B. And that's, once again, carried by Andrew Thomas, mostly. As far as offensive guard goes, um, I'm going to go with a C-. I'm going to go with a C-. Glowinski was hella underwhelming. John Feliciano... Not great. Nick Gates, solid. Bredesen, solid. Anderson, not good. Josh Zudu, he had maybe one good game, but really wasn't consistent. Um, and that's pretty much it from there. So I'm going to go with a C-. Defensive line, you have to factor in Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, but you also have to factor in the depth behind it. Mundo, Anderson, Jihad Ward, and Justin Ellis. I'm going to give... Let's go with a B. Let's go with a solid B. Um, if I was grading just Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, I would go A, maybe even A+, plus, but that would be dragging it a little bit. And it's not like, and I understand, obviously, Dexter Lawrence, he, he played a lot of the games this year, and, you know, he was a factor, as I mentioned in the beginning. But at the same time, it's not like, uh, the Giants had, oh my God, you know, yeah, Dexter Lawrence you plan for, but at the same time, the Giants miss him when he's out, and the pressure's not always there. And that's, you know, some inconsistencies that Dexter Lawrence can deal with um, in his skill set and whatnot, but also that has to deal with a talent factor because when you have Justin Ellis playing next to you, you're not going to get much help. So, B. Linebacker. I think I'm going to give an F. I think it deserves rightfully so an F. Absolutely zero production out of that unit. And this is not edge. This is linebacker. Um, Jalen Smith sucks. Austin Calitro sucks. Tay Crowder sucks. Gerard Davis sucks. Micah McFadden, decent. I mean, I didn't expect too much, but he played solid. I think he had two sacks on the season. Uh, Landon Collins, Tony Jefferson, solid, but they're linebacker from converted safety. So you're not going to expect too much there. And I think that's it. Linebackers sucked. It is the biggest weakness on this Giants team. More than wide receiver, in my opinion. Edge position. The edge position. Aziz Ojolari, the top. 
along with Kayvon Thibodeau, and then you go to Taman Fox, you go to O'Shane Zimenez, you go to Quincy Roche. There's a couple of guys maybe I'm forgetting. Ellerson Smith as well, the guy who played like one game. I'm going to go ahead and say B minus C plus. I'm, I'm teetering on that. B minus C plus. I'm going to go solid C. How about that? You know what? No, I'll go C plus. So here's why I say C plus for edge. Kayvon Thibodeau, I felt I could have had more production. I get it, the holding, but at the same time, you have to deal with it. You have to just build up and build against it. Azizo Jolari, he was great when he was in, but he was not consistent in terms of staying on the field. One week, it's his calf. One week, it's his ankle. One week, it's his hamstring. That's something that the Giants are going to have to fear for, and that's why I say draft an edge at some point in the draft, um, or maybe even get one in free agency, but I would recommend drafting one because you don't want short-term Band-Aid solutions. As far as that, I mean, O'Shane Zimenez, one sack, maybe two. Other than him, Tamon Fox, one sack, but it wasn't really a sack. Um, let's see who else. Ellerson Smith, no production. Quincy Roche, no production. C+. Cornerbacks. This is a unit I might be a little bit more positive about. Adoree Jackson played like a corner one this year. Not like an elite corner one, but he played well nonetheless. So there's that. Fabian Moreau did decent as a depth piece, as a veteran. Nick McLeod, he had his burn moments. Uh, Justin Lane, we really didn't get to see a lot of. Obviously, he's no longer on the New York Giants. Cordell Flock got better as the season went on. Radarius Williams, we didn't see much of. Uh, Donnie Holmes with him wasn't very good, though he gave up. I don't think he gave up a touchdown all year. But at the same time, I mean, he's still inconsistent. Aaron Robinson got hurt earlier in the season. I wouldn't expect anything from him next year. I'm going to go ahead and say B-. B-. Safety position. Xavier McKinney, Julian Love. Uh, they played solid. McKinney, I would like for him to see more of a role. Obviously, was a little inconsistent with, um, you know, him in the box, him out of the box. Not really the intercepting king we saw last year in 2021. Julian Love, he had the best season of his career. Dane Belton plays solid for a rookie. And I know a lot of Giant fans were questionable on that pick. Uh, Jason Pinnock, he played solid, but sometimes he couldn't get over the hump. Terrell Burgess, I think, played one game as a Giant. Um, Tony Jefferson, I wouldn't consider a safety. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say... Let's go with a solid B. Solid B for the safety position. Special teams. Graham Gano holds a lot of weight in that area. I don't know how to grade a fucking long snapper. The punting sucked and the coverage sucked. Let's go with C. And I'm being polite. And if it wasn't for Graham Gano, it'd probably be close to an F. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops to your jobs. Appreciate y'all coming back. As I said, we're close to the 900 mark. Share out. Uh, you know, that's very important for the channel. Hope to get there soon. Baseball season is coming. Obviously, as I said, this is going to be uh, the 
discontinuation temporarily of this podcast until we get to training camp. It's going to be more videos than podcast episodes. But I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys for sticking in all season. And uh, we will see you next time. Go Big Blue. Peace.